Podcast, a division of Space Action Heroes, a webcomic you can find at spaceactionheroes.com. I'm Deniso Inshama. I am Chris Carson. And this is part two of two. Part two. Of our 1994 retrospective look back. A year so thick, it made us sick. I don't fucking know. I should have thought of something between the break. This is like the podcast equivalent of Hot Shots Part Two. Yes. Yeah. It's the sequel. Actually, 94 was like the year of like when sequels started to... Really boom? Really started to come to fruition, though. You can thank, uh, I guess ultimately you can thank 1930 serials for sequels, but uh, oh, yeah? I think um, I think Star Wars was re- really... Oh, that's true. Really yeah, brought it back. They definitely galvanized the whole trilogy. Thing. Yeah, the f- concept of a trilogy. Because even though so many movies have four acts, but fuck that. Trilogy is the way to go. Hmm. Anyways, yeah, 1994, we had so much to talk about that we split this up into two. And uh, I'm going to fire right out of the gate and say uh, Alec Baldwin's The Shadow. I have not. You know, I was looking at that came up whenever yeah. I was going through the movies. I have not seen that. You got to give me the, what's your fucking rundown of The Shadow? Uh, it, it, it's a horrible, horrible movie. But it does do my thing of I think it's so bad it's, it's really enjoyable for the sheer misfire of it because they took this shit seriously. <laughs> like they were, they were thinking they were going to be the next Batman. And it was so weird that when Batman came out in 89, all these studios, instead of finding comic contemporary comic book properties, they just dug out all the old shit from like the 1920s and 30s. Like there was Dick Tracy, there was The Shadow. Yeah, that's right. There was The yeah. Phantom, Billy Zane's The, the Phantom. The Phantom, you're right. I don't know yeah. why they were like, modern comics, nah, we're going to go back to the 20s. Once again, where were these fucking like senior citizens being like, bring back what I like? Bring back The Phantom, <laughs> Billy Zane's so dreamy. Um, but The Shadow was, it was a comic serial, I, I think, later, but it originally started as a uh, radio show, a serialized radio show, which I actually, now that we're all on iTunes and everything, I was going through iTunes things to subscribe to for mm-hmm. us, for Space Action Heroes, and uh, I found someone who has all the old The Shadows. Oh, crazy. <laughs> that was, I was amazing listening to some of them. But the old, basically the idea is that it's Batman. It's Bruce Wayne. I think Batman's a little bit stolen from the Shadow because the sure. Shadow does predate Batman. Is that why his idol's the Grey Ghost? Maybe who looks suspiciously like the like Shadow. The shadow? Um, it uh, it's like a, a Cranston. His name's like Cranston Thwelp or something ridiculous like that. Lamont Cranston. Lamont Cranston, and uh, he's just a rich playboy who goes to Asia, much like uh, uh, Dark, uh, Batman Begins. But then he ends up becoming like like a, a villain. He's a bad guy, but then a, a mystic monk or something. It's all very bizarre. Okay. A mystic monk like saves him and redeems him from the evil path that he was on and trains him as his own apprentice and sends him back to his city to be an Avenger uh, for good in, okay. in the night. And he is basically Batman. He wears like, uh, he puts like on, on a, for some bizarre reason, because the illustration of, of the shadow he had a big nose. So in the movie now, it's like this mythical thing that he puts on his mask and his face changes. And so Alec <laughs> Baldwin... what? Yeah, like, you know, he has like these prosthetics, like Alec Baldwin with these prosthetics on to make his face look all bulky like he's a Dick Tracy villain. And it's so bizarre. And he fights like Genghis Khan. Oh my God, this makeup is unbearable. It's really awkward. And he fights uh, Genghis or Genghis, however you want to pronounce it, Khan, who has been like 
it's either his descendant or he's actually been in suspended animation for several hundred years. Oh, he's like, uh, what's his face? Um, fucker in uh, Hellboy 1. He gets reincarnated. Right. Kinda. Oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, I don't know. I gotta rewatch the Hellboys again, too. Because I have all the my most recent memory is the goddamn new Hellboy, and it is just it is embarrassing. Let's not invoke its name. But I, I just want to say, you haven't seen it, so I'm going to breeze past it pretty quickly, but um, if you've never seen Alec Baldwin's The Shadow, go out and watch it. Uh, Ian Holm's in it. Or not Ian Holm. Ian McKellen is Ian in McKellen, it. Ian McKellen. Fang Welker. It is. Tim Curry. And the, the cast is pretty nuts. What's his name? The dad from Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, he's his, like, cabbie, because he drives around. He's his, he's his Alfred. But it's just Batman. It was, it, you could see that a lot of elements of The Shadow were stolen for Batman. Like, five years later when right. Batman came out. Um, but it's, it's so amazingly bad. There's a, there's a anamor- an- anthropomorphic dagger that, that screams and bites people, and that, that's worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> it is so weird. It is just, it's just fucking weird. So I do, I recommend, <laughs> if you have an hour and 40 if minutes. If you want to watch, like, a weird fever dream version of Batman, just to pop it in 1994, yeah. The Shadow. There you go, folks. Oh, there's, shit. Your, there's your weekend homework. Speaking of, um, uh, the, the director's got a Midsommar is the version I got, and it's three hours long. I haven't sat down to watch it yet. Because uh, I'm like, ah, oh, it's three fucking have hours. fun. You good, didn't like it? Good luck with that. Because I loved um, um, Hereditary. Hereditary? Okay. Let's just take a quick segue into Ali Aster's universe for these. Because we didn't talk about either of these, I don't think. On on uh, Ari Aster, that's yeah. I don't think we talked about either of these movies on the no, podcast. I don't think we did. I like Hereditary up until the last five minutes. I think we have talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great in terms of like how supernatural and unsettling it is. So fucking fucking funny. phenomenal. Now yeah. say this about Midsummer: it has exactly that. It's unsettling and supernatural and beautiful. Like some of my favorite cinematography of the year is yeah. hands down in that flick. Like he knows how to composite a shot. He knows how to make you feel uncertain. To watch, like, it makes you how to feel cold and chilling while watching warm, beautiful scenery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really good at crafting the narrative. But holy fuck is that movie... The plot is so thin. Yeah. In the first five minutes, you're like, this is going to happen. And then you have to watch three hours of that happening. So the actual theatrical cut's almost three hours, too? So Two only, and a half, I think? So they only added about 20 minutes. Yeah, then. it's not a lot. Um, as someone who even, like, I do like Hereditary even with the ending. Yeah. Do you think I'm going to dig it or do you think I'm going to go, what the fuck? <sighs> Again, like, if, if you're a song, because me personally, no matter how bad the movie is, you give me something pretty to look at, I can put my brain on the wall and be like, ah, fuck the story, I'm just going to look at how cool this looks. Right, right. So there's a lot of that in that movie where yeah. I, like, I was like, this is, I'm not, I don't give a shit about any of these characters, I don't care what happens to them, but at least I'm visually entertained. I can be yeah. like, wow, the way he... Put that dude's feet up on the third level so you only see from the knees down at the very top of the frame. And this above vantage point is a okay. really unique way to show. It's like a, it's like a comic book at points. Um, uh, there's one shot I love where she's outside one of these cabins. And then I don't know if it's a dolly or a drone how they did it. But it goes from outside the cabin all the way into the kitchen and then to like the back of the house. Okay. And I'm like, how the fuck did he achieve some of these shots? It looks so cool. I wonder if it would just be as simple as a steady cam operator on a crane. Possibly, off the crane. possibly, um, but just stuff like that, like cool camera moves and fucking like really interesting uh, visual shit. Other than that, it's pretty thin. If you're looking for plot, dude, I don't know. I was I was not 
into it. Yeah. I was not into that, it. That makes me even less, like, more, I should say, more hesitant to sit for three hours. Yeah, now. and even the girl I saw, because, like, you know, it's one of those movies where it's very divisive amongst the ladies, because a lot of women were like, yeah, it's about female empowerment, yay for her, she's great. Girl I saw it with was like, Jesus Christ, is that what feminism <laughs> is now? That is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. Also, you saw it with a non-extremist. I saw it with a sane person, <laughs> thank sane Christ. Person. I always confuse that guy as, as the guy who made The Witch and the upcoming The Lighthouse, which mm. looks fucking phenomenal. I can't wait for that. I cannot wait for that. I mean, Willem Dafoe acting like a psychopath on yeah. that period. What? 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 <laughs> Anyways, back to 1994. Time machine. Boop, back in time. Uh, what's 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 your next one? Okay, I, I saved some of my favorites for last. I don't know where to start. Looks like um, I, do you just have your favorites left? Because we can go through some of my bullshit. If you oh, let's go. Let's let's hammer through some bullshit because I, I don't know the last couple I got some of my favorites. Of all okay, time. let's hammer through some bullshit. Like uh, Clerks came out. How dare you list my under bullshit? That's under one of my favorites. I'm not saying Son the movie's bullshit. I'm saying we probably don't got a lot to say about that. I'll say like, this much. It's it's the fucking ship that <laughs> launched a thousand faces. Like, mm-hmm. say what you will about his later work, Kevin Smith is an important milestone in terms of stoner, nerdy culture. <coughs> For that... Oh, wow. I just lost my voice from coughing. Holy shit. Oh, I'm going to sound super sexy for the rest of the podcast. You're all smoky. You're all Can smoky. I do it too? Yeah. All right. Let's just do the rest as Keanu Reeves. Hey. Um, no, Clerks is fantastic, but... I figured we would have just whipped through it pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, listen, like, it's it's <laughs> shot like a student film. It sounds like oh. a student film. He like, does not know a lot about the camera. Yeah, no, no, no. And even he said that. Like, he's like, move the fucking camera. Like, I remember I saw, I got, when I met him at the Bloor okay. Cinema a couple years ago, it was pretty sweet. He did a Q&A at Roy Thompson Hall two nights, and then they, scre- they screened all the Askewniverse, everything from Clerks to oh, wow. Jay and Bob Strick back. And he was there for each one. He'd intro and extra each one. And even he was just like, listen, rewatching that movie. Like, there's one line where Caitlin's like, I'm offering you my body and you're offering me semantics. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, lady, put down the thesaurus. Who the hell wrote this shit? Oh, right, it's me. That reminds me, because remember on his old podcast, Smodcast, when he used to do it with... Um, Mosier? Mosier. And how he would read old Kevin Smith diary entries. Oh, that's one of my favorite ones. The Emo, Emo Kev, Kev is one of the best sagas ever. Yeah. It does sound like that kid wrote it. Yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah. It sounds exactly like that kid wrote that it. That kid fucking wrote it. Try, like, trying to be a little bit too verbose when it's just like, dude, just layman's terms will do here. Like, yeah. people are interested in your brain, not the way you communicate it. Like, holy shit. You know what I find interesting about a modern day complaint about Chasing Amy is that everyone's like, because um, you know how you're just judging the past as if it happened today yes. and holding it accountable for yes. some fucking reason because <laughs> progress isn't a process. But um, everyone gets pissed off. It's like, oh, you turn a lesbian straight. But I was always of the mind she was bisexual. Yeah, I thought that was the implication. I thought that was the whole thing. Yeah. So what's everyone freaking out about? I don't know. I... <laughs> Apparently everyone thinks the movie was about them and their lives. Uh, yeah. And then Kevin Smith was undermining all of their experiences. Yeah. Uh, I had the Flintstones. I think we kind of touched on that in the last week. Remember when the pterodactyl shits on the car? Oh, yeah. That's a giant... (laughs) That's a giant... That's one big pile of shit. (laughs) It goes full circle. Um, I, again, I'll just... I said it last week. Uh, I was excited for it. Jurassic Park happened. Kind of undermined the Flintstones. Yeah, because all the dinosaurs in that one... I mean, they're puppets, but they don't look like... They're very cartoony. They're very cartoony. I guess is the point. It's awesome casting, though. Yeah. Fucking John Goodman and... Dude, I think that's the last time Rick Moranis was, like, on the poster for anything. Yeah. That might be the last time he's retired, hasn't he? Yeah, there's rumors he'll be back for Ghostbusters. I was about to say. The one that's coming out. Do you think he's coming back for Ghostbusters? Well, they've got... 
most of them. Ernie Hudson. They've I think got they have everybody except Bill Murray. Except Bill. Well, no, Bill Murray, Annie Potts, Sigourney Weaver. I don't think says anything, and uh, Rick Moranis. And then obviously not um, Egon. Yeah, but it looks like it's his family, which could be kind of cool. Like because I know it's it's. Uh, they could get his kid. Isn't his kid an actor? Um, I don't know, but I can guarantee you one thing right now. Mark my words on it. This movie's gonna suck. Ghostbusters was lightning in a bottle. Yeah, 100% is. And the re- even the sequel is The sequel sucks. The, the lady, all lady revival sucks. And then this small town with Egon's granddaughter version is gonna suck. <laughs> it's just, it's gonna suck. Yeah, guys. there's not a lot of ways out of this. <laughs> there's not a lot of escape routes. Um, I want to quickly, to the video game, anyone who was gaming back then, ever played, had Sega Genesis, would have played Echo the Dolphin. Echo the Dolphin was that? Echo the Dolphin was bizarre because it became like like meditation for me because I sucked at playing it. It was really fucking hard to play. And it was like a side scroller uh, where you're a dolphin and you have the power of like, you can go, and aliens come down, steal all your dolphin friends. So you're swimming around. <laughs> who the fuck came up with this probably game? Probably the, the same guy, he was doing acid with the guy who came up with Elf. <laughs> this is bizarre. It's so bizarre. It but, looks like the underwater level from um, Donkey Kong. Yeah, it's essentially it's just it's but it's really difficult because you have to you have to boop bop things with your little dolphin nose. It is the fucking underwater level of Donkey Kong. And I, I don't know which came out first though. Uh, did Donkey Kong come out ninety four? Let's find out. You keep ramping. We'll find out. But um, and you had to shoot your radar to to knock things out of the way. It was the most difficult fucking game I'd ever played as a kid. So, but the very first level, until you jump high enough into the sky to trigger the actual beginning of the game when the yeah. aliens come down and steal all your dolphin friends you're just in this big sandbox ocean area just dicking around with your dolphin family and I would find I sucked so hard at the game but I loved like the, the meditative quality of just dicking around with your dolphin family <laughs> so I could sit for an hour and just dick around in that opening scenario and then finally I'd accidentally jump too high and the game would start I'm like damn it <laughs> and I'd have to like, oh I see it. what you're saying okay right. so like, there's no time limit you could just there's no time limit you can just fuck fun. around until you jump high enough and gotcha. that, that triggers the game so Echo came out in 92 dude Donkey Kong 94 wait so Donkey Kong stole from Echo but so Echo the Dolphin wasn't 94? Uh, according to this, it was published by Sega in 92. I'm trying to see if there's another version that came Because there was Echo the Dolphin 2. Maybe that came out in 94. Uh, release Genesis 92, Sega CD 93, and Windows 96, sir. So, can you check Echo the Dolphin 2? Uh, Echo the Dolphin 2. Because okay, I am putting a lot of faith into this 13 fucking minute YouTube video where it had three second clips from everything that happened in 94. That would be The Tides of Time, which came out in 1994. That's it. So it was the sequel that came out, The Tides of Time. Way to fucking go! You ruined the whole ruined '94 the whole, podcast. The whole, the whole thing is God falling apart. Damn it! But um, yeah, that one was even worse because it didn't have the the Zen like intro level. Oh, it was just straight <laughs> into just fucking straight into the game, <laughs> and I sucked at it. Um, do you want to do one of your big ones? What kind of Greenpeace? Can I just say what kind of Greenpeace psycho hippie was trying to fucking do Echo the Dolphin? That's kind of weird. I think objectively, it could be like I look at it how it could be fun the way. An open world Jurassic Park game could be fun if you could be the dinosaurs as well as people, like the the Lost World one. Or I'm just well, I guess I was thinking modern, but um, yeah, the old side scroller where you go person dinosaur 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 person dinosaur person. Dinosaur. Oh, okay, okay. But like in a that I think is more. I think Echo the Dolphin. Like, I think what I'm trying to say is doesn't work as a side scroller. That makes sense. I think if you had a big open world sandbox ocean game where you got to fuck around as a dolphin, that could be. In theory, a lot of fun. The same way it'd be fun to fuck around yeah, as a T-Rex on an island, right? That would be kind of cool. But side-scroller, it was just... It was next to impossible. 
It mm-hmm. was it was really stupid. Fair enough. It's really stupid. <laughs> All right. Well, my big ones. Let's do one of your big ones because I just got piddly shit pretty much until I start ranting about <laughs> Star Trek. All right. I I, I mean, one's really interview with the vampire. Oh, yeah, that on my list too. I fucking watched the shit in my nascent gothy kid phase. It's really good. It's so good, dude. It's kind of remembered now. It's sort of like how that song ruined Titanic and everyone just thinks of that fucking song. Mm. Everyone thinks of Interview with the Vampire as some sort of like... The gay Tom gay Cruise vampire. Tom Cruise yeah. vampire. <laughs> but it's because it's, it was based on like Harlequin novels. Yes. So, I mean, I get why the perspective would be there, but it's so good. It's taken so seriously and that's, again, like kind of similar to Forrest Gump, it's it's taken so seriously of just like what happens to a dude over a passage of time. Yeah. Where people come and leave his life. Like what does it do to Do you to start a to person? regret it? Do you start to regret it? Yeah. yeah. It erodes away out your fucking on your insides eventually whenever you're just like I had a daughter and a bunch of psychopaths murdered her yeah, yeah, like, yeah. violently. And I like that like there's some some real existential horror to a little girl becoming a vampire. Yes. Because she's just gonna be a little girl forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucked up. And also just like she has a mentality of a little girl, so she sees nothing wrong with just like biting the neck yeah, of the girl yeah, yeah. who's fitting into her dress. You're like, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. I love that movie. I watched the hell of a lot as a kid. I don't know what it was that was so fascinating about it, if it was the costumes or just the <laughs> the nudity or the male homoeroticism. I don't know. Probably There's everything. Probably all, everything. All of, all of the above. And just, I don't know, Brad Pitt kind of playing against type. Like, other than, like, meet Joe Black, you don't really see him playing that kind of stoic, no, dead-eyed yeah. kind of guy, you yeah. know? And, um... Tom Cruise just being Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise cruising it up, but in a good, like, in a way you wouldn't expect him. Like, I didn't think you could make a charismatic Victorian vampire. Yeah. But Lestat is one of the most interesting characters in, like, movie history. It's one, like, I don't know a lot about the making of stuff of of Interview with Vampire. I don't have a lot to offer other than my opinion of the movie. Mm. But, um, I do have to say, though, that Tom Cruise, I hate Tom Cruise, but he is a fucking great actor. And I don't know about, like, like, his craft, he's always Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. So he's really great at acting like himself, so that side of it, sure. But I just mean the, what he's willing to do to himself. Yeah. What, like, the stunts he's willing to do or the makeup he's willing to do. He's willing to look fat. He's willing to look yeah. old. He's willing to look ugly. He doesn't care That's as long point. as it's for the role. He's willing to look like a complete wimp in the movie if it works for the character. That's a really good point. So I like that. Like, he doesn't have... Like he, he seems like he have the biggest fucking ego, but it, when it comes to his roles, he's super passionate which is kind of, being an actor. Which is kind of cool, because that just means his ego is fueled by the fact that it's like, oh no, but there's been payoffs to how dedicated I am to this fucking job. Like, yeah. I mean, his ego is probably fueled by the fact that he is literally a religion's Jesus. Yeah, that too. That, yeah. That, that I'm sure that doesn't fucking... Doesn't hurt? Exacerbates it a little bit. <laughs> no. You're the poster child for an entire fucking organization. Faith? Yeah. yeah for true. an entire pyramid scheme. Yeah. 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 That's a lot of mince words. The Tick. Was it Tick 94? The cartoon? Now I gotta double check shit. Because now I'm worried. Yeah, because you fucking fucked us up with the I echo. I fucked us up with the echo. Let's see. The Tick premiered in... Watch it ended in 94 or something. I hate the way whenever you Google search thing now, it gives you the most recent one. Like, it's giving me the Peter Surferonowitz version. I'm like, come Which on. Which was really good. If anyone uh, wants to sit down, it's, it's really fun. It's a fun series. It's not great by any stretch. The animated version of The Tick started in 1994. Yes, sweet. <laughs> 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 the Tick... I was obsessed with the tick. I I went out and bought all the comics who that were much like the Ninja Turtles were not for kids. Yeah. And um, I even liked the the, the putty nineties uh, tick series or the early two thousands Barry Sonnenfeld right. series. With, with, that was Barry Sonnenfeld. Yeah. Oh man, that explains putty. Yeah. And then um, 
and then the new show, which is now officially canceled. I really enjoyed it too. But that animated the tick. It was phenomenal. It was um had they ever done like a sardonic animated superhero show cuz you had like Spider-Man I wanted to talk about Spider-Man too, I might as well lump it in cuz that started in 94 as well. The original uh, animated series. Animated series. It's, it was kind of like the, it was the same uh, under the same umbrella as like the X-Men Fox. Right, they were just adapting yeah. the stories from the comic yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. taking themselves very seriously. Um the tick was just pu- it was like gonzo humor. It was like it was weird, and I loved it. I was obsessed with it. Because the Ninja Turtles was just a comedy for little kids. Right. But the Tick knew it was, like, f- almost, pr- like, a prelude to Deadpool in a weird way. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was very strange. It. And I loved the Tick. I loved his fat little buddy, Arthur, just flying along with him. In terms of just, like, subverting the genre, being like, why do superheroes have to be perfect and immaculate all the time what if they were just a bunch of fucking fuck ups like, and idiots, idiots. yeah, yeah. <laughs> deflator mouse I loved uh, the Batman guy who was just the, the shitty womanizer then anytime he'd show up at a crime scene and it looked too tough he'd be like alright sorry guys <laughs> don't mean to interrupt gonna head out it was like the boys for kids he had a super villain named Chairface for Christ Chairface Christ. Chippendale yeah who carved a C and a half an H into the moon and for the rest of the series it was, it was in the, you oh, would see it on the moon genius yeah was that on Fox? Yeah, it was one of the they Fox were fucking animated. crushing it, man. That Spider-Man cartoon, that was the one where they first introduced Venom, like yep. in the first live action. Well, not live action, but, well, but not in comics. Non comic version, like that was a huge. They, they stole Daredevil's Kingpin and made yes, him the main villain. Yes, they did. Oh, and he was great in that. Yeah. Um, one of the series uh, arcs that I remembered, it's still burned in my brain. I would love to rewatch it. Was that um, Doctor Connors, the Lizard, mm-hmm. wanted to unlizard himself mm-hmm. and the only person who was smart enough to help him out with fucking turning himself back into a human was Dr. Hank McCoy so oh he, yeah the X-Men crossover he kidnaps Beast and yep. so while Spidey's tracking down the lizard he runs into Wolverine yeah and so for like three episodes it was just Wolverine and Spidey hanging yeah. out he met and everybody they did a supercut once did they yeah there's a supercut of it because uh, like he met every like Black Panther uh, Captain America oh, Black Panther what? with the cape he I think met... he still had the cape too at that point yeah I love um, that cape. I hope they bring that cape back. I wouldn't mind seeing the cape yeah. again. But uh, my favorite was uh, at the end of that run, uh, they, they're confronting, like, I think it's a giant lizard. He takes the potion, but instead of fucking turning okay. into a human, it makes him, like, a super lizard. Fucking X-Jet shows up. They queue up the X-Men <laughs> theme song, <laughs> and they all jumped out. And I was like, dude, I didn't know you could do that with a cartoon yeah, as right? a kid. Your head that was exploded. The first interconnected universe. Yes, was really. They were the doing, Fox cartoons. That was like the the DNA of the MCU of just yeah. being like they're friends and they're all hanging out. Yeah. Like Daredevil showed up at one point. Even Stan Lee shows up in the final episode. And the final that's one of my favorite ones. Where the he, multiverse. It's so cute. Yeah, they yeah. were introducing the multiverse too back in the nineties. That's right. Which now seems it's going to get pretty pr- uh, predominant in the. MCU in the MCU. I mean, they're. I mean, Sony's already on it, so I yeah. imagine the MCU's just like, listen, like we we got this cash cow ready to go. I thought of a smart move. I think I. I, I if anyone from from uh, Marvel or Disney listens, can you please do this? Because uh, in case anyone doesn't know, Spider Man's back for two more movies. Oh yeah, we totally like, we have not talked about that. No, yeah, yeah, Spider- but it's just two, it's two movies. It's one appearance in the MCU and one standalone movie that Feige will produce, and then that's it. That's the only contract. 
Yeah, so they just extended it because they realized that they couldn't use any of the characters or settings. Like, MJ would have been gone, Ned would have been gone if they'd gone out. So they would have had to reboot it. Can you imagine sitting there in that first writer's meeting after they're like... Uh, <laughs> and they've already rebooted three times yeah. in the past ten years. Yeah. So, like, so they knew. They understood they needed to to phase him out. And was at that table like, if you so much as utter the fucking words Uncle Ben, I will stab you with a <laughs> pang. Like, <laughs> Wouldn't it be great, though? Wouldn't it be amazing if if... Much like how Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 has a definitive ending to the threads from the first two films, uh-huh. but still leaves it open to continue. Sure. If they made a third Spider-Man, Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Far From fucking Going Away or whatever home. Far however, From Homecoming. However they can, yeah, Far From Homecoming. And they do the same thematic wrap-up, so it feels like the end of a trilogy. And then in the standalone movie, the Marvel movie, put him in like a Captain Marvel or something... And have him actually be like Iron Man in Civil War, a main player in the in the plot of the film, and end with him saving everybody by going through a portal. That would be the West to way. another dimension. So then, um, the next Sony movie can be him in this new Sony world. That'd be perfect. Same Spider Man, and then the MCU can acknowledge him and be like, "Well, we lost him, but yeah. he's still alive." Yeah, well, that'd be perfect. Wouldn't or, that be perfect? And then the smart way they could do it is that in that last movie maybe Tom Holland Spidey's trading another kid named Miles Morales stick him in the MCU and then just like we'll keep Miles Sony owns Miles Morales do they? yeah well, oh. in the Spider-Verse cause I always I just figured the way Donald Glover's clearly the Prowler yeah in Homecoming oh but that's still under the umbrella still of Sony umbrella. ah I see they own everything to do with Spider-Man that's the sad part that's why Marvel uh, mandated back when the MCU was starting to take off they said we're not gonna introduce new characters in any Spider-Man comics from now on because their deal was they get Spider-Man and any characters introduced under his umbrella. Okay. In perpetuity, as long as they keep producing a movie every two years. Jesus, man. Yeah. What a solid... Like, what was Marvel thinking? That's, like, your main player. I don't know. They why would you... They bankrupt, but why would you... Oh, my God. They got that's, everyone that's back now. flagship character. Yeah, they got every... Star Trek has everyone back now except Captain Picard. <laughs> oh, like, is that why he's doing his own solo thing? No, no, I was just saying that's a comparable. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was, was like comparable. A, I thought you were throwing up a literal metaphor there. I'm like, oh, wait, no, no, Star no. Trek is that divided too? Paramount no. doesn't own all of that shit? Oh, it is, actually. Paramount and CBS and Viacom, they're all... That's why... Uh, the, we've talked about this before. Yeah, why the, new the Star Enterprise Trek has, to, has be, to be different. Everything has to be different. The suits have to be different. 25% different. That's why, yeah. We'll get into Star Trek because I wanted to, because it's also Generations and Star Trek Voyager Imagine came out in 94. Like fucking like 20%. Nah, it's not good enough, man. Not good enough. To you, you, guys, you gotta change the Starfleet outfit a little, little bit more. more. But apparently a new negotiations happened between like Viacom. The Viacom split is what did all this because CBS and Paramount were on two sides of a company split. Okay. And apparently that's changing now. There is a parent company coming in and getting everything. So that might mean future Star Trek you like access to all of Star Trek like DC with uh, or um, Warner Brothers with DC Comics right they just have oh we can do it with that we can use anything Carte now Blanche. yeah so that'll be great but it doesn't matter Star Trek's dead I'll get into that because <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much I got like Star Trek and then Honey I Blew Up the Kid Space Ghost and uh, Natural Born Killers way to tease it man yeah I'm throwing it all out there Space Ghost Honey I Blew Up the Kid Natural Born Killers that's 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 you got anything with any of those? Oh, yeah. No, you know what I got? Uh, Little Rascals. Oh, fuck. Little Rascals Little came Little Rascals, out. baby. 1994. I got a pickle, bitch. Like, I don't care what you say. That movie's fucking rewatchable as shit. It I is, have no memory of it. It's so entertaining. I just remember at one point Alfalfa's thing pops up, I think. His little hair goes boing. Yes, it does. When he's horny. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, there, that's, is a, there is a boner joke in that movie. all I remember. Yeah. Kind of weird that there was a bunch of kids on that set, and they're like, you know what would be appropriate right now? 
a boner, boner joke. joke. <laughs> That's another weird 90s thing, though. It's like, we're going back to these ancient properties and making movies of them in the 90s. Yeah. Why do they keep doing Because I'm, I'm trying to think, like, the timeline doesn't make much sense. If it was 94, kids in, like, adults in their 40s wouldn't have been like, oh, well, finally a little rascals no, movie. Like that was from, like, the 20s and 30s. <laughs> That's like old ass studio executives being like, "Well, the kids like me, Batman." <laughs> Just imagine an executive, and he looks like the Skeksy from Dark Crystal, basically he's shitting his pants. Like, what do you say? He wants you to remake the Phantom. You reach for his pen. <laughs> like, oh. Jesus. Dust just comes out of his mouth. <laughs> and then some forearmed freak in the parking lot disappears. <laughs> And uh, we gotta get, we gotta do Dark Crystal. I have a lot to say on Dark Crystal. Yeah, man, we'll, I gotta we'll finish to the series. It's just, it's, it's fucking dense. It is dense. I was not expecting it to be as thick as it is, but like, holy shit, yeah, because a lot I, to get through. I want to talk about it because I don't know where I sit on it because mm. I, I, I loved the design and the visual art artistry of it. I hated how much CGI was used. Uh. It was so much, and I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the super one for one story for modern times sure the original movie is so fantastical right I mean it fucking ends with aliens <laughs> it ends with fucking aliens yes it does like I it's, about that so it's such it's like the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek mm. Star Wars is could be applied to any social situation Republicans and Democrats both think the other side is the Empire right right you know what I mean and the original Dark Crystal was so universal, and this show is very much contemporary. It's yeah, they delineate it in terms of like, well, I mean, the Skeksis and the original ones are—they're just evil, destroying the environment basically. Right. And yeah. then like the Gelflings are fucking—they're just two of the them. last hope. A the last hope. hope, and the Mystics are fucking the Native Americans. Pretty much, pretty much driven out of their land and forced to like. <laughs> Even though I don't know if that completely works because the Mystics and the Skeksis were one creature. So that's like saying Native Americans and Europeans were I mean, once it's, it's, one. It's not that literal. I mean, we are talking about the land of Thra, this other <laughs> magical planet that's in God knows where. Ah, uh, Thra with sexy little gulflings. Okay, I hate to admit it. I know. Yeah, I know. What happened there? Why'd you tell tell the people at home? I didn't want to. I was it's so embarrassing. I was watching The Dark Crystal the other day, and I can't remember what scene it was, but it was something to do with D. And uh, I, I got I got a little <laughs> I got it was it was it's, it's, she's got the big the fucking like those the black eyes, eyes and she's underground yeah she's the underground girl thing. like she's kind of badass but cutesy I got a thing for just badass cutesy chicks and I'm just like oh no and as soon as I heard this I immediately sent you a picture of a cosplayer as deep naked <laughs> okay my phone doesn't get oh, downloads no. so that's what that was that's what that was yeah for some reason my phone it'll be like downloading and then nothing will show up so oh that's too bad well, I should have Facebooked it well I mean, I'm sure you would have found There's it. always time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of Gelfling nudity, you know what I was fucked up? You know that in the original uh, movie, when he's playing his flute naked at the beginning for some bizarre reason, yeah, he or he's introduced to Jen, he has a dick. You just never see it on camera, but in behind-the-scenes photos, they gave him a little dick. Now, I noticed that a lot of sculptors do. The two jump to mind immediately. The original Xenomorph has a dick. That you Does never, he? Yeah, totally has a dick. And the fawn from Pan's Labyrinth totally has a dick, but you never see you it. You never see it flop Is around. that just the commitment on behalf of the puppets, puppetry, uh, the puppet makers and the artists? I get it for Alien because it would make sense since they literally adapted a penis head monster. Yeah, it's phallic as fuck. To give him a dick. You know it's I... fucking tendrils and the goo is nothing but condoms and fucking lube. Right. right? Like, it's not, <laughs> it's super not subtle. I don't get the Pan's Labyrinth one, though, why he would have a dick. That's yeah. just weird. That's right? just like, put a dick on him, man. 
You kill Lambo. This is my Guillermo del Toro. Wanzi ain't fucking big on these things, man. Stop that. Uh, he sounds like he has a, a knife in his nasal, so he doesn't breathe through his nose at all. And then it's, it's, it's a super racist Mexican accent. Sure, I, spell, I sound like Slowpoke Rodriguez, <laughs> but I'm trying to do the nasal thing where he talks. Yeah, like, I just yes. wanted to read me a bedtime story. I remember when I went to that Gil Lermo del Toro exhibit mm. uh, at the AGO, and just he was on the. He's like, you know, the way the blood represents this, and then the mind. He just has like this little pinched up he's nose. Little, yeah, like, I can just hear him easily hear him like, once upon a time in a mystical yeah. land. Like he has that. Voice. I don't know if it's his just his interpretation of English or if he actually has a palate issue in his mouth and he kind of has everything is very, kind of, yeah, yeah. Oh, very up here in nasally. Yeah. Oh, he rocks. We're he's gonna, he's still fucking rocks. We're going to get so many outraged yeah. people. We're making all sorts of friends. All sorts one. of friends today. Um, I went through mine quickly. I apologize. Space Ghost Coast to Coast, fun animated thing. Just was that the, the interview show? Yeah, it was the it's interview that show. Old? Yeah, I guess it makes sense because the episode I distinctly remember was the fucking Ramones one, and like they were all mm-hmm. dead. <laughs> like that not was, that long. That after. was a weird year for like deconstructing animated things because you had the Tick, and then you had like an old nineteen fifties cartoon guy hosting a show. Then Harvey Birdman and Kevin Law spun off theory. from that. Nickelodeon had just done Ren and Stimpy in 89 oh. and then they were like wait and also the Simpsons became the biggest yeah. like highest grossing thing ever so I'm sure yeah. a bunch of studios were like oh adults like cartoons too let's just go for really subverted weird shit which is crazy considering the Flintstones was a primetime show for adults yeah back totally. in the day back in the day <coughs> saying they just forgot I love those old ads where they're fucking smoking. Where they're smoking. It's like, gee, Bon, I should love these oh, something yeah, yeah, yeah. or other cigarettes. I think they're Winston cigarettes. Were they Winston? Something like that. Back Winston. in the day, man. Yeah, I want to see. Uh, I want to see like Captain America, Chris Evans, being like, after a long day of fighting crime, I would kill camel to see cigarettes. That ad. Yeah, that'd be an awesome. Ad. And then the doctor's like, if you have a sore throat, back when you could technically, like, ethically prescribe cigarettes to someone because it's before they douse them in killer chemicals <laughs> that skyrocketed cancer rates. Which reminds me, quick segue, you ever heard of the Wilkins coffee ads? Mm-mm. Okay, so back in the day, um, Wilkins coffee in the 50s commissioned Jim Henson and his puppet company to make these ads about called Wilkins coffee. And it's these two puppets. One kind of looks like a brown Kermit. The other one looks a little bit like a cross between Telly from Sesame Street That's maybe horrifying. Gonzo <laughs> yeah so like it was just the two of them so the, the Kermit looking one would be like hey do you like Rogan's coffee and the other guy would go no I don't like Rogan's coffee and then the Kermit one would brutally murder him <laughs> over <laughs> and over again he'd shoot him drop an anvil on his head stab him it's hilarious it's fucking hilarious there's a montage on YouTube you can find of Wilkins coffee ads um, my yeah. friend sent me this this week and I, was, I became fascinated I'm like Muppets and Murder <laughs> I just love the idea of Jim Henson and a bunch doesn't of have Melissa McCarthy in it yeah that's true yeah. Mm-hmm. I also love the idea of just Jim Henson and the Muppet crew just being like oh yeah yeah we yeah, just yeah. got paid a bunch of money to make some corporate ads are you kidding me they're not smoking anything they are dropping things yeah it's <laughs> just a good point but yeah, quick segue. If you enjoy the fucking Muppets, look up Wilkins Coffee as dude. It's it's such a good time. <laughs> I, I I intend to actually. I'm really curious about this Wilkins Wilkins Coffee. I'll coffee. send you the link, dude. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, uh, I got uh, okay. Ninety four. Actually, smoking. can we Go quickly just do Honey? I blew up the kids. That's my last one. <gasps> what year was Honey? I shrunk the kids. I was just thinking about. I that think that was way. ninety or ninety one. That's one of the most creative fucking visually crafted movies I've ever seen. 
In terms of just like, oh yeah, the first one's amazing. It's insane. It's the second so one I have almost no memory of. Me neither. They, the kid gets big and he goes to Vegas. That's all I remember. I literally wrote it down. I know anyone listening is like, why did you fucking mention it if you have no memory of it? It's just again, I saw the clip of it and was like, oh, that movie was ridiculous. Yeah, I gotta was, mention yeah. this thing. Because the first one at least it requires some creativity. We gotta build a robot ant. We have to make all these props that look bigger than you know life and all this shit. Mm-hmm. The next one's just a baby on a green screen walking around for like two hours. And it's Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. So because originally it was going to be Honey, I Blew Up the Baby, and then that didn't like test well, or it was one, it was the other, one way or the other. It ended up being Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, but because the first one's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But it was supposed to originally be, honey, I blew up the baby. And I, and I just was like, oh, you can't blow up a baby. <laughs> you can't put baby in there. You can blow up kids, you but can not kids, babies. Not babies. That's something completely different. That's weird. That's just wrong. I think that's all the time that needs to be given. Oh, here's your fucking problem. It was originally titled Big Baby Bad Giant Toddler Who Just Grew to a Freak <laughs> Size Involving Array. Uh, then Disney saw the possibilities of oh, uh, making it into a sequel. sequel, so they re- they uh, what do you call it? They was rewritten with all the Selinsky family. And then, oh, did you have um, uh, Natural Born Killers on your list? I did. Oh, did we already talk about that? We did not. Oh, <laughs> it's all melding into one. <laughs> melding into one. Sorry, I'm done until we get to Star Trek. Yeah, I mean Natural Born Killers. I've only seen it like twice, to be honest with you. Me too, two um, or three times. Yeah, and I I like it, but it's just one of those ones where I'm like Oliver Stone and Tarantino. That's a lot. It's um, that's a lot to digest in two it's hours. It's like a ten pound steak. Oh, you're like oh Jesus. It's like three movies glued together. Like yeah. I love that flick, but you're just after a while because. Tommy Lee Jones is going for 11. Robert yeah. Downey Jr. is going for 11. Uh, Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis are going for 11. You're just, there's no subtlety in that movie. Was that sort of the first time Woody Harrelson was like, take me seriously, I'm not Woody Boyd? Uh, yeah, I think so, actually. Pretty much. And then that started... He was on a talk show recently being like, well, I was such an asshole back then because I was always on coke. <laughs> well, you do know, like, his old man used to be... Uh, uh, he was like El Duce from... Uh, Oh my god, Boondock Saints. Okay. Woody Harrelson's dad was like the mob guy you called in to whack mob guys. Oh really? Yeah, he was hard. So his dad was technically a serial killer. Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, he made this movie as like a coping mechanism because he was like, I always tried to be funny and lighthearted because I know that's in my DNA somewhere. Right, right, right. So this was kind of his way of like, of uh, therapizing Before he could fix it with just a lot of weed. And that, that's the other thing. I think the reason why he's so hard into the weed now is because if you look at his eyes, like, I would not want to piss Woody Harrelson off. That scene in True Detective Season 1 where he starts beating the shit out of oh, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. two kids who fucked his dog, like, step out of the shell, yeah. stand right here. Yeah. You're just like, Woody Harrelson would fuck you up beyond repair. You could, I think you, you've mentioned this before, and you can attest to the fact that, like, 2010 Chris Carson and 2019 Chris Carson are not very similar people. Not at all. And I can attest that to a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> It uh, it really gets rid of the demons. I agree. It's nice. No, that's me five years ago, and now like that same thing. Like, I I I sincerely feel like a lot of that for that dude specifically, natural born killer. That that transition was just him therapizing the fact that like underneath it all, you you are half your dad. Yeah. Your dad's profession was killing fucking people. Yeah. You gotta fucking you wrestle gotta with kind that. Of wrestle with it. Yeah. I don't know. I have to watch it again. Cause mostly just because like I haven't watched that movie since Robert Downey Jr. went from that druggie to Iron Man. Oh, yeah. So rewatching it now would be fucking fascinating. <laughs> he's like Australian or something. He's got an too. Aussie accent. And he's yeah. actually really good. I remember the first time I watched that, I was like, he's not Australian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, holy shit. Well, um, 
I always forget he's in it. It's been a while since I revisited it. Because that's how good he is. Yeah. Like, he's so fucking... He just melts into the role. Him and Woody Harrelson would have been doing so many lines. I wonder how much the Coke budget was on that movie. <sighs> that would I'm fun. guessing a good five, ten million. I really hope they're friends. They were friends in real life. Just I like, imagine they would have fought, like, Tom Hardy and uh, that, that little... Charlize Theron. No, no, um, um... The little brat kid that grew up and says, Just do it! Shia LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf. What did they fight on? There was a whole... Remember that gangster movie... Uh, that they were both in it was like a couple nope. years ago <laughs> neither did I but uh, Shia LaBeouf was on one of the hot ones you ever watch those hot yeah, ones yeah, yeah yeah I love those I, I like I, I think they're a little too long maybe 10 minutes instead of half I an agree. hour I agree yeah yeah but um, uh, he was talking about how at one point he Tom Hardy uh, was walking back from like the gym and, and Shia LaBeouf was in his hotel room with his girlfriend at the time just naked and he yelled out something at Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy ran in Grab, grabbed him naked threw him over his shoulder his girlfriend was screaming ran out of the door they start fighting in the hallway and then Shia LaBeouf kicked him down the stairs holy shit but then he's like but it was all in good fun <laughs> <laughs> we haven't spoken in 14 years but it was fine it's I don't know like Tom Hardy is he's a fucking brawler bit of a dipshit yeah, no, so I can see no. the two of them having fun beating the shit out of each other you know what I mean that could be interesting yeah I mean they're both on that kind of level of just like violence is abusing to us yeah <laughs> they both have that like alpha douche thing to yeah, them yeah. Too. it comes up though because I, I heard that's one of the reasons why Fury Road sequel has been kind of in developmental hell because no one wants to work with Tom Hardy because no apparently like Charlize Theron was like they, they did not get along oh like, I can see that yeah, like, yeah Charlize Theron seems like an actual quality human being yeah Tom Hardy seems like a kind of an asshole yeah like let's be honest I like him but like he's there's a reason why he's kind of like he's just the bro he's the soccer bro dude of fucking right. acting yeah like, he is totally the um he's gonna be in a riot after a football match of footy whenever I saw him chilling with his dog doing the Bane impression like into a cup I was like, okay, you would never fucking catch, like, you know, I don't fucking Sean Penn doing this shit. I'm trying to think of, like, the most rowdy, right, right, right. weirdest dude. Like, even he has some fucking, like, self-preservation. Tom Hardy is a great segue into my Star Trek bitching, but I'm saving it. I'm oh, saving it, yeah. bitch. He, he is well, Captain Picard's clone. He was in a Star Trek. He was Captain Picard's clone in Star Trek Nemesis. Well, I have a high note I want to end on, but, like, what's what's your Star Trek? Because I feel like you're just going to sh- tear that thing in the All right, if you want to end on a high note, I'm going to shit on it because 1994 was arguably the tipping point of the movies because that's when Star Trek Generations came out. That's the one with uh, horseback riding with uh, Captain, Captain Kirk, Kirk okay. when they crash the ship mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any bloody sense. Okay. And it's also the beginning of every Star Trek movie now has a revenge-based megalomaniacal mm-hmm. villain. Every single fucking movie had that. Oh my god, all the JJ's, yeah. All the JJ's, yeah. all the next-gen movies, the Borg Queen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was the beginning of the end for the movies, but... It was more importantly what I want to talk about because I bitched about Star Trek enough. I think on other myriad are like almost. I think we're almost up to fifty podcasts, and I think I've. Are bitched, we really? Yeah, oh, we got to find out when our fiftieth one is and do something for it if we haven't already surpassed it. Um, but uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager premiered the same year because there was no time off. Like, now for the layman, which one is is. Star Trek Voyager, Voyager was the one with the lady captain, yes. Kate Mulgrew, the Borg Beverly Seven of Crusher. Nine. No, Beverly Crusher was the doctor on Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, I see, this is why I don't talk. It had Neelix, <laughs> Tom Paris, uh, Bolana Torres, um, who was Chakotay, um, the Native American first officer who would always like, it's the fun, it's one of the funniest things where he's like, 
back in the day, my people would use drugs to uh, create spirit quests, but now we have this bliblop inhibitor blah 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 machine, and they turn on like woo 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 woo, and they just trip out and like talk to their animal guys. So in other words, one of the writers was like, we want to do the ayahuasca crest, like quest kind of storyline, but, but we're in the future, yeah. so we have to find a way around imagine. it. And he comes in with his medicine. The way the actor who plays Chicote says medicine bundle is really adorable. I don't know what you'd have to hear him say it. Medicine bundle. He comes in with his medicine bundle and he unwraps it and there's just this hunk of technology that he uses to trip people <laughs> out. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, but uh, what I was going to say about Star Trek Voyager was I didn't like the show when it first aired because every episode was essentially like you could just pick apart like, oh, that's from Star Trek The Next Generation episode, this, that's uh. from the original series. There was nothing new about it. They thought by having the ship get lost 70 years away from Earth that they would revitalize the concept but it ended up just being the same shows over and over and over again. Gotcha. Davey disagrees. He loves Star Trek. Davey really he, fucking he disagrees. He really likes Star Trek Warrior. But um, we're both just bitching, but just about different things right now. <laughs> but now that this new generation of Star Trek has happened, which isn't Star Trek anymore, they even, like, if, like the creators of the new Star Trek say, we're more Star Wars people, so we're trying to Star Wars up Star Trek. Like, really fucking missing the point. J.J. <laughs> Abrams and the guy who d- does the... Sh- the Way to st- piss off Star two Trek fan bases at once. Right? <laughs> Just, they completely missed the point. So now, being a curmudgeon old man not happy with this new direction... Which I would be happy with if they just fucking stuck to the ideologies of the series. Right. But revisiting Voyager, it's like revisiting Temple of Doom after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Gotcha. You're like, this is actually fine. Right. This is like a warm bath getting into the old like every episode all the characters like each other and it's optimistic and they actually fight real like contemporary issues but through the lens of aliens because they're off trapped on the other side of the the galaxy and they have a really good moral center and moral structure no one's barking at each other like it's not a dog eat dog fucking world like modern Star Trek is so it's just so refreshing and I really think I'm like Voyager is growing on me it's kind of ironic that like I guess it's reflective of the time that like they had the more sense back then to be like we don't want to have a very shallow perspective of this universe where it was used to be about like Gene Roddenberry was like we're gonna go into space and fucking have like what if situations we don't want to make it this BS fucking two dimensional villains versus like two dimensional hero kind of characters it took the 21st century to get there to, to get there yeah, yeah. yeah but I like that it's all the studio system is always fucked over Star Trek because the original pilot for the Star Trek for the Star Trek for Star Trek before Kirk when it was Captain Pike is oh, okay. the most cerebral weird slow moving exploration of like humanity's psyche in space dealing with things beyond our comprehension and the studio went fuck you wagon tra- train to the stars we need action we need William Shatner to rip his shirt off and we need dames mm-hmm. And so every time they do this, like, I hate this fucking, co- like, this modern viewpoint of Star Trek is a dystopia, of how it's, like, everyone's... I guess it is, yeah, but nowadays. Now, like, nowadays Now that's the yeah, conversation yeah. about it, but it's, like, that's never, no. never... All these clips you use were studio notes, first of all, not the original idea from the original series. Right. And secondly, I like the, like, it's just the... I think our future's looking so dark when we see an optimistic future, yes. we assume it had to... It has to be through control. Right, right. Like, lobotomizing people or forcing people to train their brains to not think. And the the lesson being that no one would fucking be a good person of their own volition. Right. (laughs) And it's like, that's not the... Like, the whole point is, why don't we throw our poop at each other when we argue anymore, like we did six million years (laughs) ago? It's because we have impulse control. And Star Trek's always just been about the fact that we, we still have these feelings, but we just 
learned evolved to control them better. Right, right. We're more spiritually enlightened people. It's not like we're cutting insurrection out of our brains. Mm-hmm. We just don't do it anymore because we can look at the bigger picture and go, well, that's pointless. We don't have a myopic point of view. Like, we're stuck on this right. little planet, you know? It's like, no, it's a more of a galactic thing and we're a tiny cog in a massive machine. Right. Yeah, and so I really get bummed out with these new these new perspectives of Star Trek is a dystopia. You're like, you're not. You're just, you're painting this with such an individualistic brush of the 21st century. And also just kind of feels lazy. It's easier to make fucking... Right. Silly villains that just want to destroy the planet, as opposed to like having some introspection and maybe creating something right. that challenges people to think for a minute. It doesn't know? make any sense to me, and I'm not excited about Tarantino Star Trek at all because it is the death throes of a franchise beating a dead horse. If Tarantino wanted to do like Space Quest, and it was inspired by yeah. Star Trek, I'm all on board. Sure, but it's so fucking desperate to get Tarantino to come in and do a rated R Star Trek movie. Right, like, you just don't care at all anymore you just want money and like what like <laughs> like what if it was say for example uh what's his name denis villeneuve like a guy who's done sci-fi who kind of gets he like came in and did it that would probably be great it would make more sense but when you see your quentin tarantino's jumping it's like whoa 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 this sounds like a studio it's now stunt like, casting. yeah it's yeah. just pure, it's it it never solidified more in my mind how dead the concept of star trek is than quentin tarantino's Star Trek. <laughs> and i fucking love quentin tarantino yeah no that's fair I mean, I'm trying to think of a comparable example. Like, if I... I love Seth Rogen and mm. Evan Goldberg. Like, I think the boys and fucking Preacher... Oh, Preacher didn't end that well. I just finished that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, no pun, good. No pun intended. Oh. Holy smokes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think what happened was the ratings were going down, so they just rushed, like, eight issues of the comic into one season. Oh, really? Oh, it was pretty hard they to watch. They just crammed it all in. It was not. It was... Anyways. If they were to say, like, hey, man, we're taking on a Star Wars movie, I'd be like, No! No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. it does not. That's nuts. Oil and yeah, water. Exactly. It does not work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. I don't want George Lucas anywhere near Star Trek. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want Gene Roddenberry anywhere near Star Wars. Exactly. But I want to make one last point because uh, this is a we've we've kind of fucked you to Scientology a couple times already this episode. One more. Fuck you, Scientology. One more. To, but I got one more big one because um, Gene Roddenberry once met um, L. Ron. L. Ron Hubbard, and he was telling him about this idea he had called Star Trek. And L. Ron Hubbard, like, he, Gene Roddenberry's quoted him as being like, if you really want to make the money, turn it into a religion. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Gene Roddenberry was kind of pissed. He was like, shit, I'm not making money from this show. I should have taken Idic, which was the Vulcan uh, infinite diversity from, uh, infin- infinite wisdom from infinite diversity. Or okay. something around like, infinite diversity, infinite something. But it's all about infinite diversity, basically. Idic, if you look up Idic. And he tried. He tried to push that. Because... You have to admit, like, objectively, Star Trek was a bizarre social phenomenon. Mm. Like, people really attached themselves to this progressive ideology of the future that this weird little three-season show ended up creating 50 years of conventions sure. and spinoffs. There was something about it, and I think that seed was what, that... What year was it? 60? 60? 66. So you're coming off of, like, the... For the... What, 65 was the Cold War? No, Cold War was 80s. Vietnam. You're in the middle of fucking Vietnam, uh, am I not mistaken? 66. It was, because Korea was 50s, so Nam. Yeah, it was, it was this, it was Nam. So, like, I imagine that world, like, you're looking at just finding out, like, oh, the country we've been rooting for this whole time is, in fact, a bunch of terrible fucking right. people. And just the idea... Let's oh, portray it, like, what if this wasn't the case, Yeah. You know? Can you, like, just imagine that social movement of, of, of millions of people across America going, I like that bridge filled with every ethnic... 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good thing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like that, finally, someone's speaking what I like, saying what I would like to see. Right, you know? and so it was a biz- it was a crazy social movement that I think people working on Star Trek now don't really understand what made it as big as it was, which was its optimism. Yes, like, the idea that all this is worth it, all this bullshit we're going through is worth it because look how great tomorrow is. Right. So when you make a show like Star Trek Discovery, where everyone's vicious, violent, doggy dog world, it's like, well, we still have to get. What's the point of this if, we... if that is so bad? <laughs> if hundreds of years in the future we haven't overcome shit, yeah, like it's that. all the same I shit. I so that was my. But yeah, he really wanted to turn Idic. Did you find out what Idic means? Idic stands for infinite diversity, infinite combinations. That's it. That was it. And so he tried to start that religion after the show was bombing and he wasn't really getting the money he wanted. Uh-huh. Under the advice of uh, L. Ron Hubbard being like, just turn it into a religion. The fucking idiots will eat it up. And Did L. Ron also advise him to get a boat full of underage boys? Because <laughs> apparently that's a thing he was a big fan of. I think of that well. was, uh, I think he saved that one for Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> and I, of course, mean Mr. Spacely, uh, the boss in the Jetsons. Oh, that explains the mustache. He was a renowned pedophile. Yeah, that mustache he has looks kind of fucking petty. So that was it. That was my uh, Star Trek rant. I got, I got one last one. All right, let's do this. Probably my favorite. One, probably definitely my top five of all time. Okay, Leon the Professional. Never seen it. Holy shit! Really? What? Oh my god! Everyone yells at me constantly Uh to see this. That movie is essentially just fucking like Lone Wolf and Cub crossed with yeah, the Femme Nikita. Like this, or what's is that the one I'm thinking? No, Lolita, Lolita. Or okay. it's just kind of like, yeah, she's this underage girl who's but like totally in love with the student. But by the end of it, you're like, they deserve to be together. It's the most beautiful love story <laughs> ever. Told. is so delightful. Luke Besson crafted a beautiful work. <laughs> I wonder if Luke Besson's gonna get me too. We have to look at these people's work. It's true. Yeah. It's true. But I don't know. There, there is a simple innocence to that movie. Like it's at the whole time. Like you shouldn't be rooting for this fucking couple to get get together. But like it's there's something about the theme of just like. If, spoilers for a movie that's 25 years old I, 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 seen it. <laughs> I love that fucking movie and I've seen the director's cut like a billion times his whole backstory is that he was a French uh, farm boy who was uh, I think it, were, he, he, he was involved with the mob somehow and she fell in love with a girl but her father disobeyed and said that like he couldn't be with her so when they tried to run off together her father killed her mm. so as revenge he went out and fuck he killed the father and then he fled from france he became a hitman came to new york city where he was found by danny aello and turned him into a fucking hitman meanwhile her family is she's like this kid second kid in the family the parents are uh, uh separated so she has a stepmom who just fucking hates her the whole family's horrible except for her little brother mm. her uh dad is mewling coke for this crooked de agent played awesomely by gary oldman mm. And they whack her whole family. And the reason she's so bummed out is because there's a great line Natalie Portman has where she's just like, Jean Renault's trying to console her. He's just like, yeah, I'm so sorry about your family. He's just like, my dad had it coming. It's like, well, I'm, I'm sorry about your mom. She's like, she probably never looked better. Like, she's she's all dark and just <laughs> right, broken. She's like, then why are you crying? He's just like, because I killed my brother. He's a three-year-old kid. Like, what the fuck did he ever do to hurt anybody? Mm. So the motive's so clear-cut. You're like, oh, I want to see this French hitman kill Everybody. everybody. I want him to John Wick the shit out of everyone <laughs> in this movie. So there was no John Wick either. Uh, it's kind of the same yeah. idea. Like you, same you, you kill the, the, you take a man, you can just kill everybody. You give him a motive. You're like, uh, that's um, the pin comes off the grenade, and you're in the whole time. Wait, your high note ending episode was a pedophile hitman movie. It's a pedophile hitman movie <laughs> featuring Gary Oldman as the most 
coked up DEA. I don't know what the fuck he's supposed to be on. <laughs> it's so good. The, the soundtrack kicks ass. It's the same dude who did the soundtrack for Goldeneye. No, I honestly, I hear nothing but good things about Leon, and it's just one of those ones that I've just never got around to. I Eric have Sarah. He also did the Goldeneye soundtracks, so like that weird kind of oh, noises yeah. and like the Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uses those a lot. It's such a fantastic movie, dude. Like, yeah, I got nothing against it. I have no reason not to. Mm. Other than Natalie Portman will awaken things in me. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> the wor- well, the- and the worst part about it is that it's, like, her fucking at her peak. Like, she's... Th- that- I think oh, that's yeah, the- she can't act. I think that's the best she's ever acted. Like, there's so many moments in that movie you forget you're watching, like, a 12-year-old kid in a movie. You're like, oh, no, I just assumed this was a documentary. We like, talked about this before. Child actors rarely become good adult actors. It's, rarely it's become once in a while. Yeah, rarely get better. Get better, for you sure. know. Like, this, like yeah. she's so fucking phenomenally amazing because she's dark and brooding at times, but yeah. then she's also like a light-hearted twelve-year-old <laughs> kid. She has so much range in that movie. It's Do you think fucking her just nuts. Not giving a fuck about Star Wars, really. It broke her. She, I, yeah, she's spoken openly about that, where she was just like, I look back on those movies with so much regret, like, I just didn't give a shit. Like it's my, just her regret for her performance. Yeah, like, my agent told me to, like, she's specifically the Phantom Menace, she was like, I did not care. Like, well, not, I hadn't watched a single Star Wars movie, I didn't care, I was just phoning it in. Well, I will not support a course of action that will lead us to war. How long have you been here? You're a slave? You're a little boy? That's, I don't know why that's the scene that gets me the most, because I think it's because... Queen Amidala, I can write off, but that's her first dialogue as Padme. Right, right. And she's supposed to be just a chick who came with this yeah. random stranger. <laughs> so it's like, lighten the fuck up, girl. Like, yeah. you're supposed, this is the guy, like, presumably you're going to fall in love with in the next two movies. Have some charisma in the yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. She's like a robot in that fucking scene. How ironic that the, the jailbait from Leon the Professional went on to... To search jailbait of her own. Search for some jailbait of her own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why Lucas cast her. Yeah. I think she knows what it's like. I, you know my theory on George Lucas. Yeah, we, 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 we all know. I think you watch those movies with the right pair of eyes. Yeah. Because Han's supposed to be 30 and Leia's 17. 17? They're supposed to be 17 in the first movie. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but there was no romance. <clears throat> no romance between Han and Leia in Star Wars. So at least he waited till she was I like 18. To, I like to think, because remember Carrie Fisher in that book outed that. He Harrison, fucked her, yeah. Yeah, they had an affair between the movies. I like to think that's why there's so much tension between them and Empire, is that they were, like, <laughs> yes. they were on Ord Mandel riding away from that bounty hunter, and they just fucking hooked up once, and that's why they're kind of like, come on, you think I'm yeah. all right, come on. Like, I know that um, uh, Carrie Fisher is now untouchable in the, in the, the marching orders of, of the modern world. But fuck Carrie Fisher for putting that in her book. Like, I'm gonna destroy this guy's life forty years later. But I think the reason he got away, she got away with, is because they were already divorced. Yeah, I guess so. so it was kind of like, like who that's gives... weird, isn't it? I don't. I mean, she must have asked him, right? I hope so. I hope so. I, she must have asked him. Like, is it cool? I this is this? also the same. I'm gonna shit on Carrie Fisher for a second. I apologize. Oh, oh I get ready. You this get is ready. Lady <laughs> fucking Jesus now, and I don't understand why. Like, like an, a just an old shitty actress cokehead who was in some awesome sci-fi movies <laughs> has become so beloved. But uh, she, you go back and look at when 1997 when they're doing the re-releases of Star Wars, and she talks about how she wanted to be in a bikini in Return of the Jedi because she'd been had her breasts taped down in Star Wars because George said there's no jiggling in the Empire right, right. 
and in, in, in uh, no Empire Strikes space. Uh, he said there's no jiggling in the Empire. That's also been misquoted by Carrie Fisher. Wait, no, wait, no jiggling in the Empire. He because the shirt. What was, does that exactly mean? They taped down her boobs. Yeah, I get that, but like, what's the implication? The Empire doesn't like tits. No like, sexual. I think it was just the way. I don't know what his meaning was. Like, no, no sexuality That's more in this movie. On George Lucas's point than anything. Where he's just, I think like, ultimately, just meant there's no se- jiggling in this fucking movie. It's the, a movie for kids. Maybe all the Empire Imperials are eunuchs or something. Maybe. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> That's weird. So during that 99, late 90s revival of Star Wars, she went on and she was talking about how George, like, she didn't want to have her breasts taped down, but she had them taped down, and then she wanted to be in a bikini to show off her body because she'd been so bulked up for the whole movies. And then 30 years later, she writes a book in the Me Too era, and she's like, oh, they always made me put on the skimpy outfits for the first movie, and then they forced me in. I was crying in the bikini. Like, we've heard, you're on record. Saying that this was your idea, but now you're jumping on a fucking movement to try and maintain relevancy, you old toothless hack. Fuck the, you, Gary Fisher, I said it! I said it! What was the quote she had? <laughs> I remember there was one where, like, someone was, like, kind of offended about the, the Jabba the Hut toy. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, well, just tell your daughter that, like, I strangled the massive slug thing to death. Like, that's kind of the fucking point of that scene is that I'm in my skivvies. Yeah. And I still kill them. to death. Yeah, I still I kill one of the most powerful mob bosses in the galaxy. But she turned that all in its head on in her, her book? tell-all book. Oh, okay, I haven't heard that part. Yeah, she turned, she said that they forced her into the bikini and it really upset her and that they're, everyone, uh, that's the thing. There's no bras in the Empire is what she said in the book. Which to indicate, like, implying that the men were like, take your bra off, we want to see your boobs in this sheer outfit. But the reality was, it was no jiggling in the Empire. I think that's what... And they taped her breasts down. That's why Krennic was so pissed at what's-his-face's wife in Rogue One. <laughs> just, he was like, she didn't show me a tits shoot, huh? see any jiggling. <laughs> I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm doing it for mostly comedic value right now, but Carrie Fisher is just a human being. <laughs> she's not some sort it's of a, spiritual leader. Exactly, she's an actress, and Jesus Christ, she was dropping acid at eight years old. Like, right? you, you think that she's straight in the head? Like, fuck's sakes. <laughs> like, you try being the fucking daughter of what's-her-face. Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Debbie Reynolds. Sing Wasn't in the rain, baby. insane, too? I heard. a little off. And she was like um, uh, Margot Kidder insane. Didn't they find Margot Kidder in an alley with no teeth? She was found behind some old couple's house, I think in their woodshed, and her teeth were missing yeah, and shit like that. Because yeah. of the mess. Something like that. Yeah. Superman but, people don't have the best of luck. That franchise is cursed, eh? Like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> is that what we end on? <laughs> we're, we're ending on? 1994. Woo! Um, Brendan Routh's coming back as Superman. Is he? Oh, in that fucking uh, Ultimate yeah. Universe. He's in his old suit and everything. Jumping off the Star Wars tangent, man. They're saying uh, <laughs> fucking Mark Hamill might come back as the Joker. Uh, live action? Which would be kind of cool to see, like a yeah, like a live like action a multiverse him. Yeah, do I think remember, that'd be dope. Do you remember when um, old man Joker and he's just kind of like broken and fucking crazy? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that'd be so cool. He's got they gotta like because they forced Mark Hamill to lose a bunch of weight for um. Excuse me, my voice is all fucked for up Last today. Jedi for Force Awakens. Oh God, do they really? Yeah, that poor so man. he's in for half a second. He's wearing a robe. Yeah. But the whole again, I'm harping on things that are gonna just gonna get us in trouble because everyone was like, "How dare they make Carrie Fisher lose weight?" And like, they made Mark Hamill lose twice the amount of fucking weight right. to be in that movie. And so when the movie was coming out, he actually did a bit where he was in a stormtrooper outfit. Going yeah, around. he was tiny. He yeah, was like 1970s. I remember tiny. watching that. Yeah, and he was so pissed off that he didn't even get a line in the movie. He was like, "Fuck you!" And he just stopped the exercise, stopped the dieting, and that's why he's kind of chunky in Last Jedi. It's 
funny. Yeah. I can't blame him, dude. I'm like, I'd be like, dude, I'm fucking in my 60s. Right. Like, fuck. You're gonna make me do all this work. Yeah. And then I show up for one scene. I show up for I showed up for one scene. You didn't give me any dialogue, and I was wearing clothing so bulky you couldn't tell yeah. what gender I am. Like, and now fuck I gotta off. wait a year, like another year until we start filming the next one. Do you want me to maintain this shit? He starts reading the script, and it's like Luke fucking does what? <laughs> like, no, I'm out. I suck titty milk out of what? No. Why is it so scummy? Why does it have the consistency of, like, egg whites or cum or something? It's so gross. It's alien titty milk. It's alien titty milk. I've never, I've never drank milk directly. From I honestly thought you were like, I never drank alien titty milk. I never milk. drank alien titty milk. I don't know if when you milk a cow it comes out the consistency of cum. I don't know. But it certainly does on Act 2 or whatever the fuck... I mean, it, it could have come out with fucking, like, maggots in it, dude. Like, it's, it's alien titty milk. What do you want? <laughs> and then just the, the look back is... I, I have... To, that's a funny little look back. When the alien looks back at Ray. I, that's amusing. That amusing. look back to me just always says, like, that's not my tit. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it pretty amusing. <laughs> um, what did we miss, guys? Comment and let us know what we fucking missed in the 1994... I think the only thing I didn't do on my list was the Santa Claus and Speed, which I'm totally willing to let go. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was I almost put the Santa Claus on my list. Uh, the only thing I didn't say was I think that's it. I think I said all of mine. I rambled through. Yeah, all right, yeah. there it is. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening. Two weeks. Yeah, uh, two weeks the... in a row of 1994 insanity. 1994 and more. And more. 1994 and more would probably be the name of the podcast. Yeah, that's not bad, right? I just came up with yeah, that. 1994 and more, part one. Fucking poet, I don't know. Sweet. All right, folks. Okay, so if, uh, if, if the whole world isn't shot up after the Joker comes out, <laughs> and, and if uh, Birds of Prey, the emancipation of Harley Quinn, doesn't fuck up a whole generation of little girls, that's right. we'll be back. Thanks a lot, something. DC movies. Yeah, thanks a lot, DC Fucking movies. Fucking Warner Brothers. 